When they first heard about this thing, it was crew expendable. The next time they sent in Marines, they were expendable too. What makes you think they're gonna care about a bunch of lifers who found God at the ass end of space? You really think they're gonna let you interfere with their plans for this thing? They think we're... we're crud. And they don't give a fuck about one friend of yours that's... that's died. Not one. I ain't much for begging. Nobody ever gave me nothing. So I say, fuck that thing. Let's fight it. Fuck it. Let's go for it. You're listening to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I'm Patrick Green, and I'm joined tonight by Christian Motzka. And we are very excited to introduce a voice you may or may not, you probably have at this point, if you're an alien fan who listens to audiobooks heard before. Uh, we have a very special guest who Christian was able to track down for us. And I'm going to turn it over to Christian to introduce our guest tonight. Tonight, we're going to be interviewing Shromi Arserio, who was the narrator for both Alien into Charybdis and the most recent book, Alien the Colony War. So, Shiromi, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> I get to talk alien with people. That's always great. <laughs> so you're a, an actual fan fan. I know that from your Instagram and from hearing about your your background. Can you give us a little bit of, you know, before we get into the books and stuff, like how did you get introduced to Alien? What was your gateway into the series and what does it mean to you? personally? Oh, boy. Well, I got introduced to it way too young. Uh, It was Aliens. And I was probably like eight or nine. So definitely too young uh, to have watched it. But I was enamored by it. I didn't watch Alien until maybe a couple of years later. I was thinking I was at that age where it was less scary and more funny (laughs) at that point. And I already kind of and I already knew even by the time we watched Aliens, you know, what it was generally about. You know, I knew about the whole face hugger and chest bursting and everything. It's um always been a part of my life. It's like for me, it's like for a lot of people of a certain age, Star Wars was their movie. Aliens was that movie for me. And yeah, it is a flawed movie. You can tell me that. And you would be well within your rights to say that there's definitely things that are wrong with the movie, you know, but for one thing, they're terrible Marines. But I, I will defend that movie. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that was that's mostly I'm an Aliens fan, but I also love Alien, and I've been a fan of the franchise overall all my life, pretty much. I feel like usually fans who come to this show or come to this community are fundamentally an Alien person or an Aliens person because it's like those are the kind of the two tracks that you get on, and so you really identify as an Aliens person, correct? Yeah. And and okay. so what, why is that? Like what's, what speaks to you about aliens in particular? I don't know. I guess I was just, like I said, I guess I was at that, that age, you know, just like my husband was at that age to be a huge Star Wars fan and the whole TIE fighter trench run and everything. For me, it was the Marines. It was the action. It was the funny of it. I mean, I, I can even remember, and it's so weird that I remember this, but I remember the first like little clip that I remember seeing of aliens, which was when the movie came out. And they were doing press for it. 
it's bizarre that I even remember that, but for some reason it's always stuck. I think it's the humor most of all, though, with aliens. Yeah. Like Hudson's lines. Oh, for sure. Hudson's lines. I mean, I will say that not a day goes by that we don't quote aliens. Both Patrick and I have kids that we've introduced to these movies at about that same age that you're describing. So too young. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so there's a lot of quoting in our house as well. A lot of game over man and things like that, just because it, it comes naturally when everyone is, has seen these things, right? Yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, it's so funny. Pop culture speak, how you can just, somebody can say a line and sounds like, oh, you're, you're my kind of person. Right. <laughs> I get you. <laughs> so. My dad was was active military, and he introduced me to the film. And I believe your your husband is active military. Is that right? Yes, that's right. He's actually um, he was in the Air Force for twenty years. He called in airstrikes. He was, and this is something we were really excited about. Uh, he's a JTAC. That's his job. And um, Alex actually mentions JTACs in their book, which was so exciting. We really wanted to just uh, throw it out to the community, be like, look, JTAX got <laughs> mentioned in an alien book. Because also I know for a fact that his, his, you know, people that he worked with, they were always, especially if you were a child of the 80s, always quoting aliens and pretty much any of those 80s action movies. Yeah, that's been a big connection for me. For sure. If there's one thing Alex White does, there's many things Alex White does well, but one of them is deeply researched real world things in their books. And I feel like that's that's a great example of it. I'm, I'm continually astonished by how much Alex knows about such a wide you know depth and breadth of things. Like, for example, you know, the Cold Forge, um, one of Alex's many things is, is doing, you know, user interface design. So the ship, the RB232 ship in that book is is set up according to like good user design principles. And so that's why like the floors light up in a certain sequence of things. And like, so yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all to know that. Are, are you friends with Alex outside of uh, working together? Yeah, we've become friends. I like to think we've definitely had a lot of interactions over the past year and a half since the book came out. Shromi, did you tell me one time when, when we were leading up to this, that you're not allowed to have contact with the authors until after the book comes out or until the recording comes out? Um, technically, yeah. With a lot of publishers, there's sort of a whole wanting to protect the authors, I guess. I'm not really sure what mm. the deal is. But um, yeah, typically you don't actually get to speak with the author until after the book comes out. So that was definitely the case with both Alex and David. Thankfully, uh, we've managed to rectify that and each geek out over the other. <laughs> Does that include any sort of notes from, I don't know. Yes. I just, it, yeah. yeah um, typically, most publishers, the notes will, you if you have any questions, you send it to the publisher, they will send it to the author. Uh, I only have like, you know, maybe one or two authors with a publisher where I've had direct contact and that's because that's the way they wanted it to be. I guess this is a good gateway into a question that I'm really curious about, which is your process as a narrator and how that actually works. Because, you know, having listened to many, many hours of audiobooks in my life, I'm always trying to picture 
how the person on the other end is actually going about it. So take us, if you don't mind, from the beginning to the end of the process, what goes <laughs> into narrating anything, you know, or more specifically, maybe an alien book? Well, uh, we read the book ahead of time, which seems to So you read the obvious. whole thing first? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We read it ahead of time. Uh, the old saying is, because you don't want to find out on you know, page 350 that this character has, an, has had an accent all along and you weren't doing it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we read it ahead of time. Um, and for me, while I'm reading it, you know, I'm, I'm getting a sense of how it feels. A lot of it's pretty intuitive um, as far as sort of the direction. I pretty much go with what the author is making me feel. Um, but I'm also paying attention to um, the characters and, you know, the character descriptions. I want to write down who they are, everything that I know about them, and also what other characters think about them, because that can actually tell you more about that character um, than what they think of themselves. themselves. I will write down things like stage directions, write down, I mean, I say write down, but I'm working off an iPad and I'm underlining that's actually a question I, yeah. I was wondering. So, so you're reading it and and doing this off of like a digital file, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm just visualizing in my. So now I know what to visualize next time I hear an audiobook. So, okay. So, so you're underlining and, and doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you'll say things differently if you're. I don't know. Say it's a fantasy and you're on a horse calling across the field. You're going to say that differently to how you might say it from somebody inside a hole just across the room. So you want to pay attention to that kind of thing. Um, people, some people like to highlight the character dialogue. I used to do that, but it's really time consuming. I don't really find it necessary unless there's just a lot of characters in one scene and it gets kind of confusing. So all the while I'm thinking about how the characters might so sound, who they might remind me of. If something doesn't come to me right away, uh, I will definitely uh, deep dive and start watching stuff, you know, for this I might just, you know, delve back into the alien movies, but, you know, I might also, you know, watch like Let's Plays and stuff on video games because there's a lot of great YouTube stuff with different clips of different voice actors. And I might be like, oh, you know what? This sounds like that character. Yeah. I want that kind of a quality. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much how that goes. And then do you do, you do overdubs and things? You do multiple takes or is this all pretty much... Like, do you go to the end of the page and then stop? I go through the end of the chapter, baby. Um, you so really? <laughs> what I do What I do for when I'm recording by myself, which most of my books are just me and my booth, self-directed, I will do a process called punch and roll. So if I make a mistake, I'll stop, go back to the, the go to the edit point where it was most recently correct and punch in from there and say the line again correctly. So that's how that works. There was a character in, in Into Charybdis the, the the boss of the Iranian characters. Mm. And when we meet him, he's he's an asshole. He's a terrible, terrible person. And then we get an interlude, Haroon, that's his name. Yeah. Haroon, yeah. And we see his his personal life and his interactions with these these three women, his his wife, his daughter, and his mother. And and you just your heart melts. And that would be one of those examples I would imagine if you hadn't read ahead, you're like this guy's an asshole, and I'm gonna read him as an asshole. And then you find out, <laughs> no, there's more to this guy. So that makes oh, sense. Oh boy. That was that was such a fantastic book for so many reasons, but oh, one being it really kept me on the edge of my seat as I was doing the um, the pre-read for it. You know, I was I was making notes about these characters. I don't have anything to go off of, so I'm I'm reading this stuff like 
I don't want to spoil anything, but um, you know, I'm thinking, okay, this is like the main character, right? This is the person I need to really focus on. Oh, wait, that character died. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I really liked Haroon. I loved how he changed. And and there again, you had to do subtly different Iranian voices for all these male and female characters. And 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 I was just listening to it again today. And I can tell who the character is from how you're speaking. There's no, there's no question. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it's subtle still. It's not like, you know, you're not putting on a gigantic accent here and there. How many yeah. books have you narrated? Um, actually, I can tell you, I just wrapped up my 198th book. Wow. Almost at 200. <laughs> <laughs> the accents actually, that's something I wanted to get into a little bit because yeah. in Colony War, as well as into Charybdis, there's just a multitude of them, right? So, and something that I thought was really cool, but so I, I read to the kids every night. You know, I'm kind of famous in our household for my voices. You know, I, I do a, <laughs> try to, but, but they're always like Christian was saying, really overdone. You know, like every English person is like, oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, and, and every, everybody has such a heightened accent all the time. But what I loved about this, so for those of you who haven't read, I guess, first off, I'll say there will be some light spoilers maybe tonight, if that's okay with both of you. Some like kind of light spoilers about Colony War and Into Cryptus, but, uh, you know, we won't give any major plot points away. A major overarching thing going on during Colony War is this geopolitical thing where you have this sort of new British empire called New Albion that is uh, you know, engaging in geopolitics. I don't give away too much of. And in the course of that, we're introduced to a lot of different factions within both that and other you know, expats. And they, many of them have different accents. And at, David Barnett does a really good job of spelling out what accents those are, like lowland, you know, highland, outside of London. So when you're assembling accents like that and trying to make it not sound parodistic, how do you go about doing that? Like, how do you, are these accents you just have access to? Is it something you kind of hone over time? Like, how do you develop that? I don't know. I've always had an ear for accent and my whole thing. I don't know if, if you've been to my website, but it's like accent chameleon. I even have that in my logo. So I've always been fascinated by accent. So I kind of already have a little bit of a library. Um, David being English uh, and also thank goodness he being English, he knows how to write it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't feel over the top, except when it's supposed to be over the top. And me being English too, I already had that little backlog, that little cheat. Unlike with Intercaribdis, where I pretty much had to dive right in there with the Iranian accent. But even with with this in particular, we also have you know native French speakers speaking English <laughs> with a non-jokey sounding French accent. So it really, it's really a balancing act and, uh, you know, or, and even American accents are spelled like there's one character, I can't remember who it is, who it says that he has a Midwestern accent, you know, and I'm, I'm like, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's pretty cool. And, and it's one of those, re so I read into Charybdis without listening to your narration of it, although I'll, I'll go back and do that now, but I, I was about 40 or 50 pages into Colony War. And then Christian was like, oh, Sharomi wants, is going to be able to come on the show. Like, you know, why don't you do the audiobook? And I'm glad I did because I actually got way more out of it. And it really brought to life the diversity of characters and where they come from, what their experiences are. So yeah, I guess I'm, I just want to give you kudos for that. I think Christian had a question. I was just going to say, this might be a good time for you to share what your uh, website is. Oh uh, yeah. It's just uh, all onecom I, I had read the book 
uh, Colony War beforehand, before the the audio came out. And I I really, really liked what you did with it because as an American reading these British accents or these very Britishisms of, you know, in it and gov, I was like, uh-oh, I don't know what to do with this. It's like, what will Shiromi do? And, and thankfully, you made it all sound so natural. Like, oh, okay, all right, this is... I looked him up to make sure that he was British because I was getting a little worried, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get that. (laughs) There's a certain amount of not, not lampooning, but he's, he's making comments about current British culture, current British politics. Mm -hmm. And as a British citizen, that's great. As you know, some guy from the U S I don't think that would have gone over quite as well. So. No, I I definitely get that. I don't think I looked him up before I started reading and I, as I was starting to read and yeah, yeah, there's certain parts that are pretty caricature, but it's supposed to be that way. And I was just like, Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I see why I'm being cast for this, but okay, I'll try and <laughs> I'll do my best. But as I started, as, as more characters came on board and I'm starting to read this going, oh, okay. You know, he actually seems to know these accents. I start to look him up and I realize, Oh, he is English. Well, that makes sense. But um, as far as, um, doesn't really apply to call anymore. It definitely applied for um, intercaribdis. One of my things that I learned, my my thing with accents is it's really hard not to go way over to where with an audiobook it's hard to understand, and it still needs to make sense or not be too jarring. Uh, so I learned to to look up when I'm trying to do a foreign accent that I'm not familiar with to look up the ambassador for a country. So I listened to a lot of stuff from the Iranian ambassador <laughs> to, to get a nice, you know, somebody who speaks English well and who's probably educated, you know, in either England or the United States and to get a nice little balance for that accent. What a great idea. Yeah. I didn't come up with that, but yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> you can just claim it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Shiromi way. <laughs> Shromi, by any chance, are you have you watched Moon Knight on Disney Plus? Uh, I have not. No, I don't actually have. Oh, Disney it's, Plus you've got to get on that. It's <laughs> so good. Is it really? Oscar Isaac has to do multiple versions of a character with very different accents, and I'm convinced. So I'm looking for someone to back this up. I think for the British version of his character that he watched uh, Ricky Gervais on The Office because there's a certain intonation that that only Ricky Gervais has done to that I have heard. I think that's what he's doing, but well, he didn't watch the oh, ambassador I... from England. I can, I can tell you. <laughs> so I, so something else I'm wondering about in particular with, so these are two very different books, right? Yeah. They, are, did you also do an alien versus predator book? I did a, a short story from a them. short. Oh, you yeah, did oh, one of the shorts. Short okay. Yeah. Right. So when you're approaching a book like into Caribda's first colony war, which, which really, although they are in the same universe and actually something that I was very excited about are they tie together really nicely. I think that, that David Barnett did a nice job of, of pulling a lot of things from Caribdis into this and also other extended universe things like dark horse comics and a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, you know, so they're, they're in some ways they're similar, but they're very different tonally. There's, you know, very different considerations going on. What is your process? Does it change a lot depending on the book that you're reading? Like, how do you get into the right headspace for, for one of these novels? I didn't actually have to do that much work with these novels because 
I already felt like I know the universe. Um, you know, I can pretty much channel my, I, I did, um, when I was recording into Charybdis, because I feel that like that one was more militaristic than Colony War. I think Colony War, War to me had just had a had a lighter feel, a little bit more humor to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though some pretty heavy things do end up happening by the end of the book, um, whereas into Charybdis is is quite uh, harrowing at points. Uh, so I did listen to the soundtrack for Aliens, James Horner, the whole that military kind of sound just when I wasn't narrating I just have that in the background for a few minutes to get me in that place um but for me the books were both so tonally different and I was able to just go off of the writing for other books I might you know I I might delve into like you know I just did this epic fantasy so I'd watch some Game of Thrones to just get myself into that that mindset I didn't feel like I needed to do a lot of work with the aliens books because they, I connect with them so much already, but yeah, except I do still have this, which uh, your viewers can't see it, but it's a alien queen. Oh, I have that right next to me. Ornament. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she was sitting in the booth with me while I recorded both of those books. The Hallmark alien queen, which yeah. does not stand up. Does your stand up? Uh, nope. She just see, pretty the, much the just, she's on all goes- four. The yeah, tail goes, goes just low and yeah. Why did they fix that? I don't know. Yeah, or <laughs> make it so that you can bend it back. I don't know. It's an <laughs> ornament. It hangs from a yeah. tree, you guys. <laughs> but that's cool. So, so you do get into the headspace with like music and a little bit of of that kind of a thing. As you're uh, reading it, how much are you visualizing? Because to me, something that is interesting when, you know, I was just listening to Colony War, there's some set pieces that are pretty complicated, right? Where you have like a number of different characters uh, interacting in a space with a, a hostile threat, which may or may not be an alien. And uh, and you have to kind of be able to uh, telegraph like where everybody is, what they're doing it has to be clear, but it also has to feel like propulsive. And there's a lot of, and I, I, see, this is why I want to hear your version of Vindicaribdis, because I'm sure there's a lot of that in there. How do you, like, are you visualizing it as you're reading it or are you just sort of going off the page? I'm, I'm definitely visualizing. I mean, I can't say that I'm visualizing it hundred percent of the time because audiobooks take a long time to do. And, uh, but that's my goal is to visualize it, especially with those kind of scenes, like you said, where there's just, a lot of a lot of stuff going on and you want to be able to paint that picture so in order to be able to to tell it to the listeners i need to be able to visualize it in my own head and there'll be times when i'm just tired and i realize that wait what did i what was i just saying that and then i just <laughs> i need to go back and and stop well i need to take a break first and then i stop and go back and try it again um yeah but making sure that I've got it in my own head. Yeah, it's really hard when you don't connect with the author's writing. And unfortunately, that does happen. I mean, uh, where you read it and you're just like, I, I don't quite get it. It's not quite making sense to me what the author is saying. And if it doesn't make sense to me, it's really hard to make make it make sense for a listener. In the end, you're not allowed to change the words, though. Oh, obviously. no. Yeah. Right. So you just, <laughs> just go for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Into Charybdis is the first book where I actually uh, cast all the roles as if it were going to be a movie. I just, I, I, I don't know. 
and and then once I had done that, I started doing it to other books and like, oh, well, what if we did this? But it really helped me to visualize what Alex White was writing about and what you were actually narrating with making shy be Saoirse Ronan and you know things like that, just some weird choices. But um, have you ever done that? You ever put a, a, a famous face to a to a role? Hundred percent. I so um, you know I've been doing audiobooks for seven eight years, seven years, <laughs> I don't even know, for 2014, so I guess eight years. Um, but long before that, I would always read aloud, always. And I would always have stuff going on in my head, visualizing it. I would be casting people. Um, you know, one of my favorite books growing up was The Chronicles of Predane by Lloyd Alexander. And I was obsessed with that. And I didn't know much about audiobooks at the time, but I was like obsessed with the idea of doing like a radio drama or something. So I was casting. That was like, that was the first time I really remember doing that. But yes, for every audiobook that I do, I definitely, you know, think about who I might cast and why, you know, what is it about that person? It is, a, is it a quality in their voice or their presence? You know, I, I did want to say, thank you. You pronounced the, the main character's name chair hunt instead of share hunt yeah. and it's, it's short for Cherokee. So that made perfect sense. But the whole time I was reading the book, I'm like, Sonny and share, Sonny and share. And, and that's, so, so you saved me from that image of, you know, if I could turn okay. back time. <laughs> so that wasn't me. I do not get credit for that either. Uh, this particular publishing company, um, they provide research. They provide all the pronunciations for it. Ooh. So, I think I read about a few chapters into the book thinking share, just thinking share like you. And then I was like, you know, I probably should just at least look at the research and sort of familiarize myself with it. So I don't get into the wrong way of saying something. Sure enough, I'm looking at it and it took me a while to get into the chair mode after that, but yeah, that was all on them. Brilliant researchers. Does that research mean that it came from the author potentially, or just, uh, in hmm. that instance, I don't know. I know hmm. that with Intercaribdis, um, you know, you were saying that Alex does a ton of research and they've done a ton of research on um, Farsi pronunciations of words. So um, I don't know if they had a friend, but they had a couple of uh, friends and consultants working yeah, on it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I got a bunch of like written pronunciations and also audio pronunciations for it. It was, yeah, brilliant. You know, if it had been Cher and she could turn back time, you know what she would have done? <laughs> <laughs> she would have helped her sister off the freaking water tower. Right. It's a flashback <laughs> that we get many glimpses of. Really. <laughs> like, man, she really regrets that childhood memory. We're going to take a break and be right back. We all remember that moment the first time we heard a theme from our favorite movie. How it stayed with us, comforted us, stirring our imagination. Sublime Noise is our Patreon-exclusive film score review show. Starting at just $4 a month, you will gain access to Sublime Noise, as well as our warehouse of framerate episodes, where we discuss and review our favorite films. To sign up, go to www.perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Oh, 
trauma comes up in strange ways. Yes, <laughs> Childhood trauma, I should say. So I guess a, a couple kind of quick fire questions for you. One, what mm-hmm. is your favorite book that you've narrated? Two, what is a fantasy book? Not not fantasy genre, but what right. like is a dream book for you to narrate that you haven't done yet? And three, of the alien books that you've done, mm-hmm. who was your favorite character to voice? Oh, man. Okay, keep keep that all that one. straight, right? <laughs> oh, okay. I do you know. <laughs> all right. So going back to your first question, um, what was my favorite book? It's really tough because I've done almost 200. Did I mention that I've done almost 200 of them? Um, so, yeah, it's really tough. I mean, obviously, the alien books are very, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, I'm doing this series called The Burning Kingdom by Tasha Suri, which I really enjoy doing. It just It's a fantasy novel. Um, it's kind of a law of recency thing, which all of those are very recent books. So those are the ones that stick out in my head, unfortunately. Well, I think it means you like what you're doing because, you know, you're yeah. still finding things to love about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of thinking about it. What, what what's your dream book to narrate? Okay, that's a great question. Um, probably, I'm a huge Neil Gaiman fan, so anything by Neil Gaiman, probably, yeah. Or I will say this, or um, one of the I don't even know if they're still doing those um, Audible Studios. We're doing the the big um, Alien um, Dirk Mags. Yes, yeah, genius. That mm. would be pretty damn cool too. Who's your favorite character from the Alien novels that you've gotten to voice? I'm totally forgetting her name, but she was the the bad guy in Kylie Duncan. Thank you, Kylie Duncan. She was just so fun. So fun. Oh, for her, you asked me about somebody that I might have mentally cast. Yeah. Um, The Commander Kane of the Pegasus in the new BSG. That oh, is who I was channeling. Uh, Are you a Battlestar fan, Christian? No, no, neither am I. Jamie is, <laughs> no. and this this is, is yeah. frequently something that we argue about. Um, I, I I don't know anything about Battlestar Galactica, but now I want to Google it because I want to know yeah. who that was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michelle Forbes is the actress. Forbes, okay. yeah, she's also in Star Trek, but uh, she's a very not nice person. And when as soon as I read Kylie Duncan, I was like. I could see her. Do you guys remember the remake of Dawn of the Dead from like 2004? Um, the the blonde actress that was one of the main characters. Um, she's done a bunch of great indie films and I can't think of what her name is, but she that's who I had in my mind for that similar reason of being able to play a really intense kind of diminutive person who's also very tough, but I can't think of her name. So this is, this is super. This is the <laughs> this is edge of your seat entertainment tonight. I have to say, I didn't cast anybody for her, but I saw her so vividly in my, like, I still know exactly what she looked like. Like in, in my head, she's so, and Alex writes incredible villains. That's something that we've talked about. You know, you know, they've been on the show a number of times and I've, I've gotten to hang out with them in person, which has been really great. And um, they really love to like go hard on the villainous aspects. And, and I think you can see from both their alien novels, it, it really pays off. And yeah, Duncan is a, is an amazing character. So what was it like voicing, you know, her, for example, what was that experience like? So much fun. You know, I had to be careful though. I didn't want to get too just full on evil, but I mean, she's a, is there any redeeming qualities about her? I, I don't 
think so. She's a believer. She's a true believer, I guess, in what she's doing. But, but she's a terrible person. And I just had a, so much fun being able to just channel all of that. I mean, everybody says playing a bad guy is the most fun to do, and it really is. Sarah Polly was the name of the actor ah. I was trying to know. And I, oh, yeah, I can see all, that. All I had to do was admit that I didn't know, and then it just, there it was, right in my head. So <laughs> I, I had noticed not long ago, Shiromi, that you were painting some miniatures, or had oh, yeah. collected mm-hmm. some painted miniatures. So your alien fandom goes further than just recording these books. Um, well, I'm a huge board game fan. <laughs> um, I'm a huge board gamer. So the two have recently collided. I've got uh, another glorious day in the core, which is what I was painting. <laughs> Unfortunately, I haven't actually gone back <laughs> since <laughs> I took that picture. So there we go. But uh, yeah, um, I love I love aliens, and that yes has translated to board games, both the official and I would say the unofficial versions. Um, so there's another glorious day in the core, which is a it's a fun game. I will say that I played it with three players. And uh, only we only lost one character and we were kind of forced to do that. So we were like, okay, we're going to get rid of, I think we got rid of Crow. But otherwise it was pretty easy. So I don't know if it'll change if we played with more characters, but yeah, that, that's a lot of fun. That one's a lot of fun. Um, and we have alien bug hunt, which I really enjoy. It's a bit shorter game and there's no cool minis. But it's a really fun game. Have you been playing Fader Nostromo? Um, I on TTS, yeah, on, on Tabletop Simulator. I've played it a few times. Oh, you don't yeah. own it though. You don't have a copy of it. It's only it's only like twenty bucks. It's super cheap. <laughs> we have such a huge library of games. Uh, yeah, we found we can play that one in about an hour with the mm-hmm. kids. And just the other day, we played it, and we all actually won. So, you know, because <laughs> it's a, either you all win or you all lose. Yeah. Um, I guess just b- before we close out, I- I'm curious, who's your favorite character? In, not just the novels or anything, but just in terms of Alien, like which which character means the most to you and why? Wow, that is a really tough question. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. It's Crow. Asking all the weird things. It's Crow. Crow is it's clearly, Crow. <laughs> clearly Crow. <laughs> That's uh, gosh, hey. I honestly don't know. Um, I mean... It's so such. I mean, I always wanted to be Ripley as a kid. <laughs> um, I mean, I grew up with all of those female characters like Ripley and Sarah Connor and Terminator. So that was so definitely a character I associated with. I also had a huge crush crush on uh, Hicks. So there's that. <laughs> well, okay, let's talk about Lloyd Alexander just quick because I'm also a huge fan of those books. Is that a project that you would love to? take on if it was ever offered to you to do that is what four books three or four uh, i want to say five and then there's a collection of short stories as well yeah that's right yeah i would love to in a heartbeat i would love to but um yeah it's i even looked at another uh series of books that he was looking at. I was like, there's no audio books for this series. <laughs> I wonder if I could get the rights to it somehow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would definitely. Okay. So my dream books would be anything by Neil Gaiman or anything by Lloyd Alexander. 
There well, we go. <laughs> Neil keeps narrating his own stuff. He's such a jerk about that. Yes. Thing. Although he does do a lot of, um, you know, multicast stuff too. So maybe we'll see. Yeah. Uh, one final question for you, Shromi, is uh, what, what advice do you have for people looking to get into the audiobook? business like how, how did you segue into it and and what what have you learned that you might want to share with our listeners if some of them are interested um well i i started out as a voice actor and i was doing voice acting i kind of fell into it i'll be honest um because i had a friend who was needing to replace a voice uh on a documentary and just knew that i acted so it was like do you want to just give this shot and they kept hiring me back and eventually i uh found out that there was a way to get into audiobooks at that time, um, ACX, uh, Audible's, you know, thing to connect narrators and uh, authors together uh, was just coming out. So I was able to get into it that way. As far as how to get into it, um, take tons of acting classes, first and foremost. Um, coaching, coaching, coaching. Uh, you know, there are tons of wonderful audiobook coaches out there. But the best thing I've ever heard is if you want to get into audiobooks, you got to like go into your closet with your computer, with your little recording setup and actually like shut yourself in for an hour or two and and read a book and stop when you make a mistake and go back and keep that keep doing that and see if that's actually something that you want to do. Because there's, you know, a big difference between just, oh, I can read this book aloud because I read it aloud all the time and actually, you know, reading a book and staying, you know, it takes a tremendous amount of concentration. So being able to stay focused that whole time in a tiny little booth that takes a certain amount of insanity. But if you can do all that, then yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It, it must be hours though, right? I mean... Beyond the runtime, how how much more do you do you would you say is is accounted for by having to go back and fix an error that you made or something? Um, so uh, it's about for me personally, it's about a two to one ratio, which I think is mostly typical. So I forget how long either of those books were, but probably about ten hours. So yeah. it probably took about twenty hours to record them, not including reading them ahead of time. Um, probably intercryptus took a little bit longer because I'm sure I was stopping a lot to listen to pronunciations or I'd be like, oh no, that accent, the accent's starting to drift. I need to just have a quick shot of that, that Iranian ambassador again. Okay. Now let's go back to it. But, um, yeah, so the, there's all of that. And then, you know, then you've got the editors doing their magic and we've got proofers that are listening to it. And then they will send me back a bunch of corrections and that could, you know, take, depending on how well I've done, half an hour, an hour, maybe longer, depending on the length of the book. In the end, all of that work pays off because I, I always am excited to see your name attached to things. And Intercryptus in particular, I feel like Patrick, you've got to listen to this book because you've read the book, but until you hear Sharomi do it, it, it's a whole different experience. It's wonderful. Well, thank you. Can I just say, um, so Alien Intercryptus uh, was up for an award. We didn't win, but the audiobook was up for an award uh, for a voice arts award earlier this year or 
was just at the end of last year. And it was in the sci-fi category and it was up against several books, but one of them was uh, Will Wheaton narrating uh, Ready Player Two. And all I could think was, if I could have told like nine-year-old me <laughs> that I would be narrating this you know, book in the alien universe and be up again, not only that, but to be up against Wesley Crusher for an award. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just a very sweet moment. Did Will Wheaton win? I thought he would. Alex and I both were like, it's so good to be nominated. Will's definitely not. Neither one of us actually won. It was somebody uh, that I wasn't familiar with, which is great because it meant that it wasn't, it didn't just go to the famous guy. But Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome though. <laughs> well, here's to many more awards, close calls and wins in your future. And, uh, and I, I'm really glad, Christian, that you convinced me to go back and start the book again on the audio version. And I really recommend our listeners do the same because it adds a whole new dimension to the book and the accents sound a lot less stupid when somebody who knows what they're doing is reading it out loud. And uh, and you really took me on a wonderful journey with Colony War and I'm, I'm really grateful for that. So thank you for that. And thank you for coming on the show and making time for us. And thanks for being a great alien fan in your own right, audiobooks or not. Thank you very much, Romy. Thank you. To find out more information about Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please go to www.perfectorganism.com. If you would like to support the show, please go to www.perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.